Yo, yo, check this out. Check this out. Previously heard. Previously heard. Good Hope FM. Let's go. This is Wellness Wednesday on The Morning Show. It is Wellness Wednesday on The Morning Show. And today we're speaking about something quite interesting. Uh, I didn't know that it exists, but it does. And uh, it kind of makes me happy. Um, and it's going to be quite interesting to find out more about it. We're speaking about menstrual leave. Yes, menstrual leave. And here to tell us more is a Senior Associate in Employment Law Practice at Cliff Decker Hoffmeyer. We're speaking to Leila Moussa on the radio. Leila, welcome to Good Up FM. So good to be chatting to you. Hi, Leon. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, so listen, menstrual leave, uh, what exactly is it? Yeah, so there's there's a commonly um, or generally understood definition for it, that it's an approved absence um, related to one experiencing painful menstruation or menopausal symptoms. Yeah. Um, and I say like a commonly understood definition because, of course, like depending on the, de- on the jurisdictions, yeah. um, that definition may differ. Definitely. I mean, this is groundbreaking stuff. Uh, we've been yeah. having menstruation since the beginning of time and uh, right. also <laughs> menopause since the beginning of time. And I think as women, we understand the challenges that come with that. I don't know if, you know, our male counterparts understand the gravity of it. For, for some, it's worse than others. Uh, but I think yeah. it's really interesting um, that Spain also recently approved legislation entitling relevant workers who have medical approval uh, to menstruation leave, becoming, I think, the first European country to join a list of a few other countries that legally recognize menstrual leave in some form. Now, why would medical approval be necessary for menstrual leave? Yeah, so I think the the first thing to say is that from a South African perspective, um, we we don't have any imminent plans in our law or discussions, in fact, within the formal lawmaking process that are giving us indications that there are considerations around menstrual leave um, from an employment perspective. Obviously, now this is different to, you know, your ordinary sick leave that you get. So so that's the first thing. So we don't actually know if it were to be implemented in South Africa, if at all, you know, what does it look like? Um, But but looking at these other jurisdictions and the question of medical approval, um, in the jurisdictions where it has been linked to, you know, painful periods and painful symptoms that are experienced that may stop you from being able to perform your work properly, um, there, there are some countries that require, for example, that you must be diagnosed to have experienced those um, painful symptoms. And, and that would require a medical certificate. Yeah. But then there's, there's the other side of it where there are some countries, um, and, and, and here I use one example um, of Zambia, where, um, again, I'm not a Zambian lawyer, but um, they allow one day a month um, in relation wow. to menstruation w- sure. without the need of a sick certificate. Amazing. So there's the, the, the question of medical approval um, is a distinction. Because they've already recognized that uh, for some it is very, very challenging. I mean, I know some colleagues that go through so much pain that they have yeah. to take leave um, just to be able to, you know, to get medication or to uh, to deal with it. So it is it is definitely a thing. Uh, what are some of the sensitivities around the nature of this yeah. type of leave um, and how it should inform the requirements for that leave. And then I also want to ask you um, about the, you know, the whole thing around privacy and gender identity issues that come into play mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. No, so, so I think this, this is a big part of it, right? Um, I mean, this does flow from 
awareness around diversity, equity and inclusion issues generally um, and actually trying to to remove those barriers um, for access into the workplace. But then while that is the, that may be the intention from one perspective, one does realize that if you know if employees actually need to take this leave, it actually requires discussions and perhaps disclosures mm. around very sensitive issues. And these issues deal with you know identifying and and um, saying that one is menstruating, um, and and that might have privacy concerns, and and as well around gender identity because yeah. you know of course people who menstruate could include persons who don't identify as women but who do menstruate, um, as well as transgender men. So so there are a number of gender issues around it and privacy issues around, you know, if employers are implementing this, if they do consider implementing it, you know, what are the privacy questions going to be around? How do we address this? How do we ensure that people's um, dignity is protected and respected um, while we're trying to actually implement and execute in line with what one would would say, you know, are... um, beneficial um, purposes um, or, or objectives of actually introducing the leave in the first place. Wow. Uh, Leila, we actually got an amazing comment on the WhatsApp line here that says, Hi, ladies. Wow. Finally, someone is talking about this. Right now, yeah. I am unemployed because I actually lost my job due to my menstrual cycle. I had a very oh, heavy flow um, and uh, she also wet herself. It was really embarrassing. And one of her previous jobs also, she used to get sent home because she wow. soiled her clothing. And uh, this happened every second day of her cycle she had to download an app uh, and that really helped as well Uh, imagine losing your job because your cycle was that heavy and you you know you you couldn't go to work that's that's insane to me yeah and and I think the experiences of individuals really just um, speaks to you know how how important people feel the topic is Um, and of course Within our law, we don't know where we are. From a South African perspective, there aren't these conversations happening. Yeah. But but I think what, what these kinds of um, messages and interactions do show us and also the conversations that are happening within civil society, you know, it, it shows us that there are a number of considerations that will come into play. There are a number of stakeholders mm. that would need to be consulted. And it is a very tricky and, and sensitive issue, both from a legal and from an employee and personal perspective yeah. um, that one would need to consider. So employers would, would really have to consider those competing factors and mm. Also see, um, you know, if at all, what what this would look like if it is introduced from a South African perspective. Absolutely. Well, if uh, uh, European countries are doing it and uh, there's also Japan, Indonesia, Taiwan, Vietnam, uh, I know that we don't have indications for plans for this type of legislation that extends to menstrual leave. But do you think um, in South Africa uh, there are benefits to employers uh, actually looking to position themselves as employers who recognize and appreciate diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Mm, yeah, so, so again, you know, as you said, it, it is quite premature from a le- formal legal perspective. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, if, if employers within the South African sphere um, are looking to, to position themselves as those kind of employers, as you've, as you've um, identified, who are recognizing um, diversity and equity and inclusion within the workplace, it's, you know, looking to to remove barriers um, both to entry to and to retention promotion within the workplace, and thinking about how something like a painful period can affect that 
um, for persons who do menstruate. Um, and I think em- employers who do consider this deeply will really get into these conversations and start considering it and, and think about the practicalities. Yeah. And at the same time, while those good intentions are there, of course, thinking about how one actually does implement it to ensure that, that number one, you know, there's no reinforcement of um, perhaps negative stereotypes around yeah. productivity. So, you know, oh, because you menstruate, now suddenly you're not going to be as productive. So how does one manage that? And, and thinking about very careful change management and explaining the purpose of it, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we actually including it? Why are we looking to include it? Yeah. And have these discussions within the workplace and, and allow people to, um, you know, for these, these opinions to be voiced. And that's very important um, if employers are considering it at all. Absolutely. Oh, Layla, this is such an amazing topic. We're getting so many people that are just jumping online wanting to continue the conversation. Uh, One coming through here saying, love this topic. Thank you for addressing this issue. So uh, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's really wonderful to see that the conversation has been opened, you know, to recognize forms of temporary incapacity due to very natural biological processes. I mean, it's it's, these these things affect us women. And uh, I think it's wonderful to be able to finally be recognizing it and say that sometimes it does affect your productivity in the workplace but it's you know it's it's something that if we uh if we talk more about it it's it's a natural thing and i know so many women are going through the most so um i appreciate you Layla. beautiful beautiful topic we we do appreciate your input on this of course, thank you very much for having me. It is such a pleasure. There we go, Leila Musa, Senior Associate in Employment Law. Um, and of course, we were talking today about menstrual leave. Very, very interesting topic. And I think this really does advance uh, gender equality and normalizes menstruation in the workplace and the effects that it may have on women. Feel it. For more, for more, tune in to goodhopfm.co.za. It's all you need.